Hello, everyone, and welcome to Me, You, Us, a well-being podcast. It's another Well-Being Wednesday here at Consumers Energy, and I'm your host, Bill Krieger. Today, my guest is Marianne Marr. She's the Executive Director of Real Estate here at Consumers Energy. So, Marianne, if you'd introduce yourself, we'll get the conversation started. Oh, good morning. Uh, so, Marianne Marr, I'm the Executive Director of Real Estate for Consumers, and I've been with Consumers for going on 26 years. So a long time. And all of my career has been in the real estate department. So uh, most people shift around a lot. I've been there. I love my job. I love our team. I love the company and uh, all of the opportunities we've had uh, over the years to really learn and grow. And uh, real estate departments, maybe one that most people don't think about, but we have our hands in pretty much every major project that the company's working on, whether it's our plant sites, whether electric distribution, new customer connections, our renewables development, and uh, just about every, every transaction somewhere we're in there. Yes. And you know, I remember way back when they used to call us uh, customer energy specialists Yeah, and uh, real estate was very important because we would go talk to the right-of-way people, uh, especially when we had those right-of-way descriptions that were like, you know, turn left at this rock and turn right at that yeah, tree. Yeah, at the tree. And yeah. the tree and the rock weren't, <laughs> weren't there anymore. So we, we really had to look. Try and find that tree now. Right. <laughs> Our surveyors take care of that for us. Right. Exactly. So, uh, you know, you gave us a pretty good description of real estate and some of the things that you do. Uh, but, you know, for some of our listeners, executive director of real estate might not uh, say exactly what you do. So could you talk a little bit more about how you earn a living here at Consumers? How I earn a living. So um, our, our team really is we're actually a pretty big team. There's about um, 70 of us in real estate. So it's our survey our acquisition team, and uh, we also manage all of the assets. So um, my role is really to help lead the team and facilitate and make sure that they have all the tools that they need and that we're aligned with all of our strategic goals as a company and making sure that we're connecting those dots, thinking about affordability, thinking about, you know, those goals, clean energy, how do we get there? And what does our team need to support that? And I'm part of the ops support team. So um, under Jeff Shingler, and that would include corporate safety and facilities. So facilities plays a big part of what we do as well, how we support that, where we're going. And so I partner with Chris Shelberg, who's our executive director there, kind of helping think about the strategy and, uh, you know, return to workplace, buildings, are they in the right place, right location? So it's a lot of different pieces that come into my role. But, uh, you know, I really have to say the team that I work with um, does the heavy lifting. Yes. And I mean, as any good uh, supervisor or, or leader would, would tell you, um, there's no magic necessarily to what we do as leaders. It's really the people that we work with that really make the magic happen. They do. And uh, I've been incredibly fortunate. We do. We have a great team, um, very creative thinkers uh, out of the box. And, uh, you know, they take a lot of pride in 
achievement and accomplishment and getting it done and delivery. You know, we have a lot of projects that are under very tight timeframes, you know, building new lines and getting those in service and uh, our customers and thinking about the impact we have when we're dealing with customers and the impact we have on their lives. You know, if someone needs a new service, we've got to figure out how to get that line to them because we're not always just on their property. So they take pride in that and they figure it out. And that takes a lot of sometimes creative thinking and partnering with all the groups to make it happen. Yes. I can only imagine. Well, I want to ask you this. So I don't, I don't see like a six or seven year old Marianne Marr uh, going, gosh, someday when I grow up, I want to be the executive director of real estate. So how did you get here? How did I get here? Yeah, we were talking about that. My career path was probably very different. Um, I never knew quite what I wanted to do. I was, I started my career in very young age in real estate sales, which I actually was not good at, I would say. And I knew pretty quickly it wasn't for me. So, but I was fascinated with the valuation side of, uh, and the math and, and things. So I started studying to become an appraiser. Uh, I lived in Canada at the time. That's where I was from and, uh, worked as an apprentice appraiser for a number of years doing large, uh, agricultural operations, dairy, um, hog operations, poultry farms. And uh, ultimately, I moved to the States. I've been here for almost 30 years now. But um, again, started working doing commercial industrial appraisal work for a small company out of Adrian. And then I started specializing in the we call it the acquisition of partial interest, meaning we acquire easements. We're not purchasing the whole property and started specializing in that and started doing things like highway work, doing, you know, new projects. Um, they were doing the East Beltline over in Grand Rapids. I did some work on that. I did, you know, a lot of uh, road commission work, things for just smaller projects. And then an opportunity came up at Consumers um, for an appraiser. And I applied, and I know it's funny I wasn't the first pick, but uh, it took a while. Uh, it took almost nine months from the time I first interviewed by the time I got the job offer. And uh, I remember just I was so excited because it was an area that I really found fascinating. It wasn't just a transaction. You got to see a project from start to finish and everything that goes into it. So it it kind of changed my thinking and uh I've been here ever since. Well, and you know, I want to I want to go back a little bit because we were talking a little bit before the podcast about this, but this is I think is really important for people to kind of get. You know, um, especially when you're talking about easements or right of way. You, you said we're not purchasing the property; we just want to be able to use it for the, for this purpose. Um, you know, you can have all the technical skills in the world, but I think that comes down to relationships. It does. And a, a big piece of our work is acquiring. And when I think about a lot of our new business work, we're having to acquire from people that don't necessarily want to sell or give us anything. So building a relationship, building trust and and explaining the need um, and being able to knock on someone's door and take that challenge of, you know, I'm going to work with them and we're going to figure out a solution here takes a unique skill. 
because you have to have the technical skills, but you also have to build that relationship. And we are working with customers on a daily basis, trying to make that happen. And we're pretty darn successful. The team takes, they take a lot of pride in being able to get that person on board, get a signature and really help drive that project forward. Right. I, I have to imagine that some of that is just showing um, what the benefit is to the person that's giving that, you know, giving that permission or giving up that right. Yeah. Sometimes there's no benefit though. That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, you know, we've got to serve your neighbor and quite often people don't get always get along with their neighbors. So sometimes we hit some big barriers. Then we've got to figure out how can we move around? Are there other opportunities? Where do we go? Um, and, but a lot of times it is just tapping into, you know, it's providing that service for everyone. It is, there are projects definitely where we talk about the benefits, you know, to the community, the benefits to reliability and all the things we want. But, you know, it's very difficult because usually if we're doing electric or gas pipeline installations, it involves trees and taking out trees, which people are very, very attached to. And you are dealing with someone's biggest investment, their home, usually. And it's where they spend their time. It's what they take pride in. And we're kind of taking something from them. So it can be just that empathy, that understanding, that communication. And it's not something that happens overnight. It takes building a relationship. No, absolutely. I I know from my time here that that's um, you know, I, I remember as a younger person, people always said, you know, relationships matter. Um, and it's not the, the, I think that the key is not building the relationship because you need something, but building the relationship because it's the right because thing you to care. do. Yes. Yeah. So very important. And so when we talk about relationships, you know, one of the reasons that I reached out to you was that a good friend of mine said, you know, I can't believe what my, what my boss did for me. And, um, you know, I, I was kind of shocked too, because of, of the way sometimes we look at things, uh, with blinders on and don't try to look outside the box. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell the story. I'd rather that, that you did this. Um, but I will set it up to say that, you know, as we're coming out of COVID, there's a great deal of emphasis on meeting face to face and in person. And there's lots of reasons for that. We want to build those relationships. Um, and sometimes that's easier to do when we're sitting across the table from each other, like we're doing right now. Um, we want to have those interactions and we want to do that networking, all these things, all these great reasons why, but for some of us, um, we can't, it's just not physically possible. So, um, I'm going to leave it there and let you kind of pick up the story. So I'll maybe start from the end and kind of move backwards a little bit, but, um, and I do have permission, Teresa's allowed me to share this, but I have one of my leaders, Teresa Stasinas, um, is disabled. Uh, she works remotely from home. And uh, Teresa has been working remotely from home since 2015. So long before COVID, long before technology. And, um, you know, she she's in a position, we've developed a really close relationship to thinking about um, how I can support her. You know, Teresa has MS, so she's phys- has a lot of physical challenges trying to work. And it's, it's progressed over time since 2015. 
And we've been with her through the whole journey. But I think what I recently realized in my mind as I'm thinking through this, and Teresa's co-chair capable, which is really cool because she has her own personal perspective and can bring that. But thinking as a leader, you know, back when we first started and Teresa was working remotely, she was the voice at the end of the phone, you know, and quite often it was like you get to the end of a meeting and it's like, oh, yeah, do you have anything to add? Do you, you know, and it was difficult. We worked through that and we thought we were doing pretty well. And then COVID hit us. And one of the things that dawned on me was all of a sudden, Teresa was on a level playing field with the rest of us. And actually, she had an advantage. She'd been working remotely. She'd figured this out. But we had all the tools available to us. You know, we had teams for the first time. She could see us. You know, we could be on video and and actually engage. And she wasn't just sort of the last person there. And so that really started me thinking, why did it take us so long to figure that out? And thinking about inclusiveness and how we bring people together and kind of fast forward, I've thought, you know, I've been what I would say supportive of working with Teresa and figuring out what needs to happen, but I really haven't been advocating and making sure that I'm supporting in a way that brings visibility and doesn't put an individual with disabilities in this position where they feel they have to ask all the time. Right. It should be me thinking ahead and me being in that position where I'm out there. And, uh, you know, perfect example, we have uh, upcoming leadership meeting tomorrow. Hopefully the weather holds for us. But historically, you know, someone like Teresa who can't physically participate misses out. You know, they're waiting for someone to come back, bring back information. And this is in person. We know there's a drive for everybody to see everyone face to face. She'd be there if she could, but she can't. And so we reached out. I reached out to Leslie Roth and Sherry Barris and said, hey, you know, I was a little nervous asking because I thought there's this pressure right now to be face to face. But it's like, you know, she can't. And I want her to get that benefit so that she can share that and bring back that experience to her team. And we just asked the question, what can we do? Is there a way we can think about, you know, bringing her into this meeting in a way that doesn't distract, but allows her to hear and, you know, participate? And I was absolutely amazed at the reaction we got. I was sort of expecting, well, we want everyone there face to face. It was the exact opposite. It was, we had an idea, we're bringing in an owl, we're going to set it up so that, yes, she can hear. And it'll be a bit of a tester because I think this is the first time we've done something like this. Mm -hmm. And we'll use that feedback. But thinking about how do we build the future for our employees who aren't actually able to participate physically and in person. And that's where I see my role sort of helping drive that thinking and helping bring that awareness and visibility a little further forward and really helping create that environment so that someone doesn't necessarily have to ask all the time because it puts puts them in a difficult position where it's like, yeah, it's like, I understand, I get it. And 
No, I want her to be part of those things. I want her to be able to hear and experience it to the best of her ability. And so that's the most recent thing. And I'll kind of back up a little bit because um, I grew up um, in a household. My father was disabled. He had a um, very rare neurological disease. It was called Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease. It's, it's ge a genetic disease inherited. But um, in some ways, very similar to MS, his muscles were wasting away. He basically had no reflexes, so his muscles were wasting away. And I watched my father from um, the time he was first diagnosed. I was very young until, you know, he passed. But his desire to maintain his independence, his desire to be a part of things, and he always couldn't always be just because of physical limitations. But what I also observed in looking back was his creativity. Our house, uh, you know, uh, I know duct tape solves all the answers to everything, but it's true. <laughs> our house, it was hockey tape. You know, the stairs were wrapped in hockey tape so that he could grip things. You know, he'd come up with all these different ways of managing and thinking about things. And I realized, you know, when you have and live with someone with disabilities, that creativity that they have to have to enable their lives, it goes across the board. And so I think about, you know, it's sort of that overcompensation that an individual brings and that heightened sensitivity they have, they can bring so much more to their work because they have to think out of the box. They have to think differently. They have to cope. And so I've, I've followed that and I learned a lot in thinking about my father, thinking about what it was like for him, knowing how stressful it was for him. And uh, I, I think he'd, um, I would always talk to him about these things. And, uh, you know, what I viewed sometimes as stubbornness was just that desire that he had to be independent, maintain his independence and be a part of something. And so I was able to really relate that um, with in working with Teresa and we've been together for years now, but thinking about how do I, how do I support and not just support, how do I advocate? And I think that's sort of the shift. I'm kind of towards the end of my career, but really thinking about how do you make that difference as a leader and take that extra step versus I'm not just going to accommodate. I really want to help that person excel because I know there is, there's so much they're capable of. There's so much they can bring to the team. There's so much they can help us with. And creating that environment where it's okay to talk about it, it's okay to understand, and we can work together and really make a difference, not just for the employee, but for the company too. Well, and I, there's a couple of things there. One is that distinction between advocacy and support. I mean, we all want to be supportive, but advocacy is like that next level of support where we're actually doing something and taking some actions to make sure that people get what they need. The other thing in all of that discussion is that when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, this is a great example of um, diversity, inclusion, and equity, um, not just for the sake of diversion, equity, and inclusion, but, you know, Teresa's a very successful leader. She's very good at what she does. 
And to your point, she brings a different way of looking at and thinking about things because of her unique life um, to the table, which has probably helped in problem solving and all these other things. And I think sometimes we talk about DE&I, we think about maybe checking a box somewhere. But really, this is a great example of how this is not just good for Teresa. This is good for our company and our coworkers. Absolutely. Um, and I will say, I'm, I'm, I'm always super proud of uh, Teresa and what she brings. But highest, think about this. She had out of, out of I think, our entire ops support organization, the highest rating on our employee engagement score for employee-supervisor interaction. She's never met face-to-face with some of her employees, ever. Yet, she's managed to create that environment And that's something we can all learn from is how do you create that environment where you can have those relationships? And her team is, I will tell you, devoted. Um, They cover for each other. They've learned how to really work together and pull together as a team to find solutions and make things work. And what I see, I look to Teresa is really the one person on our team that brings a lot of that empathy and feeling and understanding and compassion to her team, to the rest of our employees. And uh, it makes her a unique leader. It really does. And uh, she, it, there's just so much there that if we're not creating that environment, we as a company are really missing out. Well, I want to go all the way back to 2015 when, uh, you know, the, Working from home was unheard of. Unheard of. I, I remember, like right around that time frame, like if I if I had the opportunity to work at my kitchen table, I felt like guilty about like I was doing something wrong. I was getting a lot of yeah. work done. Um. So for you and others to say, hey, we we get it, Teresa. You're a great employee. We want to keep you here. So let's figure out how to accommodate this. And you did. It would have been very easy not to, uh, and we would have lost out on all of these years of having her amazing supervision and, and her ideas and her skill set that will be passed on to others so that when you and I aren't working here anymore yeah. and when Teresa is not working anymore, people will have learned from her and carried that forward. Yeah, and I think back to, you know, when we first started with, you know, this remote work, it was like, oh, there were so many things as a leader I was thinking about is, okay, does this start a trend? You know, does it, you know, it's, it felt like in some ways it's an exception. And so I have to, I have to be careful in how I move forward rather than just kind of letting it go and learning and saying, how do we make it work? There was always that fear. And there's always, you know, as as her situation changed, we had to figure out ways to make her work environment better for her. And she's the only one that could tell us that. And um, getting comfortable having those kinds of discussions and being open and honest, you know, there's a lot of fears. There's a lot of insecurities. There's always that fear of, you know, it's like, am I doing enough? And I, I know that would run through her mind is, you know, what's going to happen? And uh, I think she helped prepare our team for the pandemic and for everyone having to be remote because for her, it was like, this is no different than every single day I've been doing this. And so I, I really just think it's an opportunity for us as leaders, lean into that a little more than you have 
Don't be afraid to explore it. Don't be afraid because it's not just me. It's our entire team, you know, that is thinking about how do we make sure we're having that communication and that interaction and how do we make sure we're working together as a team? And it's, it's hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been perfect either, but I can't imagine it being any different, you know, than what we have now. I can imagine it being better. You know, technology's changed so much. It's going to keep changing for us and just making sure that we're taking time to really see that that whole person and you know what they bring and what they offer i i think we're missing out if we don't do that as leaders well and i also think you know you said something it was a very small part of the conversation but you said you know it wasn't perfect and uh i don't i don't think perfection should ever be the goal you know if we think about the old adage oh practice makes perfect it really doesn't practice makes progress as long as you're moving forward and making progress, it's the imperfections that help us to hone that into a better experience for people. Yeah. And I can tell you a lot of support. Um, Jeff Shingler, who's our uh, VP for ops support, in one, creating that environment where Teresa was included. We have leadership meetings. We did our last one and brought in an owl. It was a two-day meeting. And, you know, how do you mit- – how do you – sit sit at home and not participate and we made it work so that one she could participate she could communicate with us she could share and that experience for her just made it better and it made it better for everyone in the room because we're all thinking about it and we're all aware of it and it's like oh yeah it's not Teresa the voice at the end of the phone line it's Teresa, the leader who is taking her team and and participating and bringing and being brought into that discussion. And it's not that hard. Takes a little bit of extra effort, but it's not that hard. Right. Even if it was that hard, we should probably be doing the effort anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I would think. Well, I'm really uh, glad that, that actually Teresa sent me the email and shared that story with me and that we were able um, to connect. And this is the first time Mary and I, Marianne and I have met face to face. Um, so it's been a great experience. We are getting close to the end of the podcast, but before we go, you know, what would you, I mean, you've already left the, the audience with just great nuggets to, to, to take away, but what would you like them to take away from this conversation today? I think my key is <clears throat> as a leader, You know, let go of some of the fears that you have about, you know, how am I going to do this? How's it going to work? And really just lean in and recognize that there are plenty of places for us to make a difference. And we make a difference with our people. And thinking about our people and what they bring to the company. And really providing that opportunity, especially for those with disabilities, to be a part of this amazing world we live in here at consumers and to embrace it and do whatever you need to do ask don't be afraid to ask and engage in the conversation and build that relationship so that it can be one of how do we make it work how do i help you and not just how do i help you but how do i support you not just day to day but how do i help you grow and uh, Teresa's one I'm really proud of. Uh, her stepping up to the role of co-chair of Capable is just a tremendous opportunity for her to make a difference 
And that's my goal is how can I help others make a difference? Well, thank you for that. Now, I do want to uh, say something to the audience. So not all of our audience members are members of Consumers Energy. Some of them work in other places. So when we talk about capable, uh, here at Consumers Energy, we have business employee resource groups, or BERGs, and capable is is one of them um, for our differently uh, abled uh, coworkers. Um, they do all kinds of advocacy and support work um, for folks here at Consumers as well as for our customers and folks out in the communities that we serve um, you can learn about them through our website, consumersenergy.com. There's a whole section that talks about the different uh, business employee resource groups that we have here. I just want to make sure that I pointed that out. Um, but thank you so much for agreeing to, to come on and chat with me today. And I'm looking forward to talking to you in the future. Oh, thank you so much for having me.